Welcome to the Kingsway Christian Fellowship Home Service. We hope that you'll be blessed as you listen to this audio sermon streamed live from Melbourne, Australia. Kingsway Christian Fellowship is a family Bible-based non-denominational church preaching Jesus Christ, based in Wonturner. Visit www.kingswaychristianfellowship.com. Now here is Pastor Werner Schultz. Of a blessing and honor and glory, he is worthy of his. He is. Thank you, Lord. You are worthy of all blessing and honor, glory and power. Lord, be into you today and every day and forevermore, Lord. Praise your name. Now I'll be uh, going to Pastor Werner, um, who will be bringing us the sermon. God bless you. Yes, thank you very much. He is worthy. Hallelujah. He is worthy. And it's wonderful that this thought has been picked up by the writer of this um, wonderful song. God bless you as you sing into the hearts of the people, um, the choir of our uh, family. Uh, of Bavik. So this morning I have nothing to say about the COVID and all that stuff. So I just take it as it comes and I concentrate on Jesus Christ. We can't change anything unless if we would pray and the Lord would um, change the mind of the government. So otherwise, I decided this morning not to speculate on these things. I decided this morning to preach on Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. And uh, all these things about the COVID-19 and Delta variants, what is being called as well. So we leave it up to Lord, whatever name they would call it and give it. But this morning, and we are glad that we are able to come and listen to the word of God. Hallelujah. Now, how was Jesus called in his time when people addressed him? He was called Jesus, son of David. Jesus, son of David. And uh, so there's a wonderful connection. And this morning, I want to speak about David's boot camp at the cave of Adullam. So, and the scripture is in 1 Samuel chapter 22, verses 1 to 2. Let's read it. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 to 2. So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him, everyone who was distressed and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontent gathered to him and he became captain over them. Now there were about 400 men with him. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word 
is always same, the same throughout the Old Testament and into the New Testament. You are the same God and you are, your spirit is the same spirit. Hallelujah. The spirit that uh, enabled David to do the things in your name is the same spirit. He is swelling with us now at days. Lord, we thank you also for the opportunity still to preach the gospel. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that you might bless us. Give grace, O oh Lord, that I might be able to speak your word. Give grace to listen to your word, that it might be received in a fruitful heart. Lord, and also give, give grace to act upon your wonderful word. Jesus, you are the Lord of lords. You are everything to us. And we bless the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That is wonderful. Now we know the story and everybody has certainly read the whole story about David till he became king and was crowned and uh, he was sitting on the throne. Now things seem to be a little bit uh, not adding up for David's life. He was anointed as a king, as a youngster. And how great was it when David received these, uh, this anointing? And we know exactly his brothers who were fighting against uh, the Philistines and uh, uh, Goliath. And David came there and the spirit of the God of the Lord was in David. He received the anointing, this uh, anointing oil gave him the authority to speak in the name of Yahweh. Hallelujah. And we know exactly what David did. David, he became the lion king killer, the bear killer, and also the, he conquered Goliath. Now, what happened to him now? He didn't come straight away to the throne. And I must say, David is somehow, in a way, a type for us as well. We have been anointed with the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit anointed us and we received the, the anointing of the Lord, and when we got baptized in the Holy Spirit, and we have been baptized in the Holy Spirit uh, for a reason, and it's this, that we might be witnesses and that we can act in the name of Jesus as the apostles did in the first century. And we as well, hallelujah. God hasn't changed from then. And the spirit of God has not changed either. And the Bible, the word of God is still the same. Hallelujah. And that makes me bold this morning to preach about this very thing. Now, what I want to speak about there were about uh, 400 people who flocked to David. First, his family. And we know his brothers were a little bit cautious about him. And they didn't like him when he was meddling into the thing, things and situation. When he was inquiring, what's going on here with this giant, this uh, uncircumcised? And we know his brother said, well, by the way, what did you do with the sheep at home? You came here 
And David, of course, uh, as a good shepherd, he had somebody to look after it. But here, this what was going on was David's call. He know here's a man. He is trying to defy the almighty God, Yahweh. And David, he conquered him. We see it very clearly. And when the when the Goliath was conquered and he came back to Jerusalem, all the ladies, the young ladies and the women were singing and were saying, um, Saul has killed a thousand, but David 10,000 by the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. And that's the power we are talking about. And this power of the Holy Spirit is still the same. I believe so. Hallelujah. That's why I will encourage and want to encourage each and every one. Stretch out and seek the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit as well. That you might be baptized in the Holy Spirit as the apostles were on the day of Pentecost. Amen. Hallelujah. That's so wonderful. Now, David, he wasn't yet on the throne. He didn't live in a palace. And uh, quite contrary, he was constantly under surveillance from his father-in-law. We know who it was, Saul. And somehow Saul hated him. Although David was his father-in-law. And uh, so oh, David was his son-in-law. And uh, I'm not quite sure how are you thinking about your son-in-law if you have a daughter she is married. And I must say, I said always to our son-in-law, you are our best son-in-law. I've got only one because I've got only one daughter. And it's interesting Saul didn't appreciate what God put in this young man, in his son-in-law's life. And there was something growing in Saul, a bitter root against David. And we read here, there were four classes of people who came to David. Word went around because they knew David was not sitting on the throne as yet. Everybody knew that David is not in Jerusalem in a palace. He is now going into a cave because um, Saul was always looking for him. He wanted to kill him. But instead of that, God protected David. Hallelujah. He went into a cave and this cave was called Adulam. Now, four kinds or four classes of people rallied around David. And David is actually uh, in a picture, um, the patriarch, if I may so say so, also for Jesus. Jesus is being called son of David. So what David did, Jesus did in a spiritual, more spiritual way. Now the Bible says there came people and there was 
their brothers and their fathers, their household, and all those who were there. And we read about there were people who coming to him, and they were um, seeking the presence of David. First, we see here there were people under death threat. So there was, of course, the household of David was also under death threat. Saul wanted to extinguish the whole household of Jesse and, of course, including David. Now, there was a situation people know, what should we do? There's somebody always behind them and trying to catch them and to kill them. And the sword was already was hanging over them. And there was only one thing to do to flee to David. So we see here, David became a protector for his whole family. Uh, about 10, 15 years ago, you, you remember, remember when these things with the Toronto blessing and things were on. So young people developed a slogan and the slogan was just, and that's an unbiblical slogan. Hell is for wimps. No, Jesus is for wimps. Hallelujah. We don't have to become a hero in order to follow Jesus. We can be a wimp. Hallelujah. And that's what Paul says. I know that's within me. There is no strength and no power. We don't boast about ourselves what we can do. All we boast is about Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Do you boast about Jesus? Then raise your hand and say, I do boast about Jesus. And that's all. Now, we see Jesus came for whims, for those who are nothing, and those who were under a death threat. Now, if you are under a death threat, you don't know any minute it could somehow hit you. And the Bible says clearly in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, the wage of sin is that if you are not, if you not have fled to Jesus as well, then you're still under this threat, a threat of death. But the gift of God is life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Hallelujah. And that's wonderful to understand. And we say, see it clearly then, great messianic uh, prophecy also about Jesus. And we read it clearly in Matthew chapter 12, verse 20. The Bible says there, a better reed he will not break off, and a smoldering wick he will not put out until he leads justice, justice to victory. That refers to Jesus Christ. He came not the better uh, reed that was somewhere on the seashore and uh, uh, somehow bent. 
He didn't come to trample it totally down. He came to lift it up. Hallelujah. I don't know what your life was when you came to Jesus. Perhaps you were like a better reed. People were perhaps threatened you down. You had no hope, nothing. But Jesus came and lifted you up. That's wonderful. And that's what he did in my life as well. And the smoldering wick, he will not put out. Hallelujah. Jesus is not in the business of closing down or putting out. He will light again the flame in your life. And that's wonderful. He will do it till everything has been accomplished. David's family felt now secure in David's presence there in the cave of Adulam. And that's clear. Now, people, that's the next thing we can read. People in distress came to David as well. And everyone who was in distress came to him. And they stayed in the cave of Adulam. And that's the protection we have in Jesus Christ. He is our protector and we are in him. Now the word for distress, the Greek word for distress is stenochira. Stenochira. That means actually crowding in a small place. That's what it means. And these people were somehow, through circumstances, crowded in, in a small place. And they couldn't go anywhere. And there was no freedom for them. And so we see here again, clearly, these people came to Jesus. And we have got no, uh, no way out unless to, unless to Jesus to come. Where should we turn to? We turn to Jesus Christ. Jesus is for people who are distressed. And he can take away distress. I don't know. I have heard many people, they are over, always under stress. What's the problem? What's the problem? Just relax in Jesus. Hallelujah. And he says very clearly, if you have read in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. Every Christian should know it by heart. Now we have it here. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Now let's read the rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. That's important. Everything you do, you can bring to the Lord and rest in the Lord. That's why Peter says, um, all your burden cast upon him, then he cares for you. Praise the Lord. Jesus cares for you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
that's wonderful. And we can experience that in our life. That's why relax in Jesus and be sure that you're surrounded by, by the Lord from every side. And there was another kind of people who came to David and people in debts. That means their bank account, account dropped and dropped and dropped and dropped. They have used up all their credit cards. I want to put it in our times. They had nothing more. What should we do then? And these people, there were people also in Israel. They were in debts. Now we knew exactly, and that's what Psalm in Samuel actually said to the people. A king, he will cost you a lot. But we want to have a king as all the other nations as well. And of course, the Bible says clearly that um, Saul needed a lot of money for his state budget. And he wanted to have the tenth of everything, the tenth of the produce of the field, the tenth of your sheep and tithing that was there as well you know tithing for the temple as the bible says very clearly that we should do it and we read it in malachi chapter 3 verse 10 let's read it there very clearly bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. And taste me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows. Many people, they have not because they don't give. And this is one of the things as well. If we do what the Lord wants us to do, then we can manage also our situation. But somehow these people couldn't manage their finances. And there were always threatening letters coming from the bank. Anybody received threatening letters from the bank? Whatever bank it was. And you look into it and you say, oh my. Oh my, who could pay that? So there's a story about San Nicholas from Russia. One of his servants, somehow he couldn't budget his money rightly and his, his uh, debts grew and went, went up and up and up. And he was a man who should keep watch during the night in the garden of the palace there. It was a wonderful night, a warm night, as it also sometimes can be in Russia. And he was sitting down under a little gaslight, perhaps. And then he counted together all his um, debts he had. And it was 
unbelievable. Who could pay all these rubles? And underneath he wrote, who can pay for this? And in his sad heart, he fell asleep and his head knocked down. On this warm summer night, Nikolaus from Russia, he couldn't sleep and he took a little stroll through his garden. And he came to this place where the garden light was on and he saw somebody sitting there and he was fast asleep. And then he saw this little sheet of paper and what was written up on it. And this man, he was so in distress and so discontented in his life. And really, really, he couldn't find any answer. The pen was somewhere nearby. San Nicholas from Russia, he took that pen and signed it, Tsar Nicholas, and left everything. The next morning, this night, watchman, he woke up, looked at the paper, the sum was still the same, but he discovered something, there was a signature underneath. And then all of a sudden, there came joy in his heart. The burden was gone. The debts had been paid. And that is what Jesus did for us. We had a debt we couldn't pay. And he paid it for us. He paid for us everything. And that's wonderful. He paid it all. All those who were in debt, they knew David is going to be king very soon and their money problem would be solved because they were serving David. Now this band of people, David gathered around him who came to him. This band of people was David's elite. They were, these people were with him every time, day and night, and enjoyed the time with David. Now David, I could imagine, he was a very happy person. He was not a person that always had his head, head down. No, he was rejoicing, perhaps. He might have taken his harp into the cave as well and played a wonderful song. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And this was perhaps resounding through the cave and everybody who was there was rejoicing and they had faith in God. They knew this king, he will never leave us nor will forsake us. And it's interesting, they knew this king David he will be with us. And so Jesus as well. We read in Luke chapter 12, the Jesus. verses. 
on the verse 32. Do not be afraid. And that's what Jesus said to his disciples. Do not be afraid, little flock. For your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. Hallelujah. What else do you want? If you are getting the kingdom, and these were those David relied upon when he was king. These were those who became his heroes and fought for him. How wonderful. And that's so good. Jesus Christ came for the weak. He didn't break the battered reed. Now, nor did he put out the smoldering wick. He came to put light on again. And that's one of his famous words as well. And he said, I've come into this world to set the world on fire. And how do I wish it would have burned already? The fire of Jesus and the fire of the love of God. We cannot take anything from God. And we know about 10, 15 years, there were all these Toronto prophets around, running around and preaching, you know, the so-called uh, Joel's uh, army and so on. And even the song was then being composed. They run in the city, they run at the wall, and great is the victory of God or the kingdom, or rather the uh, army of Joel's. Now the army of Joel's, if you read exactly, and that's what this man, Jimbo, uh, Wimbo, actually took wrong. It was the army of Nebuchadnezzar who came to Jerusalem was not the army of God by which God will conquer this world. That was a false interpretation. And now let's read what happened to this army. I remember in those days is what was sung always from many young people. And Joel, I had it somewhere here. So... So, yes, we have it here on the screen. But I will remove the northern army from you, and I will drive it into a parched and desert land, and its vanguard into the eastern sea, and its rear guard into the western sea. In its stench will arise, its foul smell will come up, for it has done great things. The great things was not a victory for Israel. The great thing was the destruction, what the prophet was saying as well, the destruction of King Nebuchadnezzar. And the plan of God went on. Now, if you want to belong to the army of the Lord, that's what people sing always in a hype, I remember that very clearly, just follow 
John Wimber, then you know what the army of the Lord will do and will end up. Now, the next thing, and this is the fourth group that came around David. They didn't know where to go. They went to David, and this were the people, everyone who was discontented, gathered to him, and he became captive, captain over them. Discontent means bitter of soul, bitter of soul. And I believe this bitterness of soul is the suicide number one in our time. I can't understand often how many young people commit suicide because they are bitter in their soul. There is no life, there is no hope. And you say everything, excuse me, this expression, everything sucks. So say the young people. And I must say these people also came to Jesus. If you know some young people who speak this way and say, everything is worthless, bring them to the wonderful boot camp of Jesus. As David had a boot camp in this cave of Adullam, so has Jesus a boot camp. Now, they learned to fight the right way. Now, I never have been in any military boot camp because I am, as a German, actually I, uh, somebody who rejects military service. So I didn't have to go. I'm a so-called pacifist. But if you would have gone to a military boot camp, you know what it is. And uh, as I understand, is a very, very hard thing. Now, in this boot camp, they learned something from David. If there was any greater king in battle who fought always and have had victory, it was David. And now I want to teach you what we have to learn if we are in the, in the battle of this world, and in Jesus' army, let me say so. We must like, must do it like David did. Remember, David had one great enemy, of course, Satan. But he had also the enemy, his own father-in-law. I could imagine when he ever had a desire to take his children to the grandfather, he couldn't go there because death was threatening him. And we see something that came a situation in another cave. David and his 400 people were also in a cave. Let's read, and sorry, Sean, I didn't give you the scripture yesterday in first samuel chapter 24 the verse 4 
The men of David said to him, Behold, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I am about to give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it seems good to you. Then David arose and cut off the edge of Saul's robe secretly. Now in the verse before, it was there actually that David and his people were in the inner recess of the same cave, somewhere deeper, deeper, deeper in. And in the front, there was the army of Saul. Saul wanted to have a little bit of rest. And David somehow got it perhaps by the Spirit of God or some of his uh, um, intelligence services said, listen, in the mouth of the cave, there is actually soul. Be quiet. Be quiet. Now, what did David do? David did, I believe, in order to teach his people, his army, the principle of God, which are so important. They encouraged him and said, well, go, now is the time. God has said to you that he will give your enemy into your hand. Now it's the time. Go and kill him. David might have stood there. He heard Saul snoring his head off. He was sound asleep. A man of this stature as he was, very tired, could recently, recently uh, really, really snore. And David didn't do it. He said, now take the, the spear or the sword, kill him. Did he do it? No, because David wanted to teach his people something. Do not touch the anointed of the Lord. And that's so important. And we see in verse 17, the same chapter. He said, now there came a, a, um, a conversation with David and Saul. Actually, in verse 16, when David had finished speaking these words to Saul, Saul said, it is your voice, my son David. Then Saul lifted up his voice and wept. He said to David, you are more righteous. You are more righteous than I, for you have dealt with me while I dealt. But you have dealt well with me while I have dealt wickedly with you. How wonderful. That's the way to overcome enemies. Amen. That's the way to overcome enemies. And Jesus said very clearly, we should bless those who curse us. We should bless those who are against us. And even if somebody is striking you on your face, on the right side, Hold your left side too. That's the spirit of Jesus Christ, the son of David. 
And David eventually, he came into the palace and he was the greatest king. You can ask any Jew nowadays, what you reckon, who was the greatest king of all in Israel's history? Who was it? King David. Now, Jesus is our heavenly New Testament King David. Amen? Hallelujah. And everything I want to do in the battle we have to fight is what Jesus did. And you remember the day is going to come where he will gather all his people unto him and we will be there at the, um, um, lamb or wedding feast of the Lamb of God. We will be there. And then we will also be with Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's read the scripture as we can understand it in chapter 20, I think it is in Revelation, or 21 rather, verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven on a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth passed away, and there is no longer any sea, and a new Jerusalem will come, and we understand this is there where Jesus, our heavenly um, David, will rule from. Hallelujah. And Jesus is coming back. Now, chapter 19, verse 17. And I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him is called faithful and true, and in his righteousness he judges and wages war. War. His eyes are a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written on him which no one knows except himself. And he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Jesus is coming back. Now, I don't know how many of these who are on white horses coming back with him. That might be, and that's certainly the ones who have been caught up in the rapture with him. And we will rule with him as kings and priests. Amen? It is worthwhile. Now all these who were getting around David had to learn David's principle, which are the principles of Jesus. We are not fighting with flesh and blood, but in the Spirit, through the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. Now, I don't know what your situation is. Wherever you might be, depressed 
or cast down, I want to encourage you. Our heavenly David is coming and he is sitting on a white horse and we who have been raptured when he raptures us will come with him. Hallelujah. Do you belong to these who were with David in the cave? Do you belong to those who following Jesus in this time of troubles and hardship? I want to be on Jesus' side. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you. What you promised to David then, Lord, came to pass to every, every title. Lord, and I thank you what you have promised for those who wait for you and those who you will rapture. Lord, it will come to pass to every tittle and little stroke. Everything will come to pass. And I thank you for the hope we have in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You are coming soon. Lord, I want to learn from you in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you and have a wonderful day. Praise God.